Esoterotica, Erotica from New Orleans, is now available on iHeartRadio. Welcome to Esoterotica's Tarot, the Spread, June 22nd, 2020. We humans have been trying for thousands of years to understand ourselves and our place in the cosmos. Some think we have been using tarot for divination toward that end since sometime in the late 18th century, but it's probably been much longer than that. Tarot and similar tools have long been sought after for their guidance using symbolism to better address the spiritual, emotional, traumatic, and divine journey we are on. Join us tonight for our personal interpretations of the major and minor arcana. We begin our evening with a reckoning. There is no better time than right now to face yourself and come out of that exchange with an awakening which alters everything that comes after. This is Ruby Shears with the card, Judgment. You know why I'm here. Pulled from the deck when you least wish to see me, I am the reflection of your worst fear. The trumpet call to stop playing the same damn song over and over, your heart is like a broken record. Always promising the same promises just to a different tune each time it is played. This time will be different. This time I'll be ready. This time I won't bolt at the first sign of happiness. And yet, I see you're wearing your running shoes. I am the dropping of the masks that you hold dear. Feeling so safe and not being seen, only giving pieces of the picture out, the ones that are the most flattering, because it is easier to deny a compliment if you can say, well, that's only because you haven't really seen me yet. It is time to stop hiding, lurking in the shadows of a crumbling self-esteem that was built by someone else, for someone else, that structure was faulty. New growth has been sprouting in between the cracks, slowly destroying the ideas of the past. Look around. There are flowers in the ash. And I know, I know that every ex-lover you have ever had has called you beautiful and then at some point has taken it back. And that has had a stalling effect on you ever trusting the words again, not even from your friends. I am the angel of judgment. But no one is judging you as harshly as you judge yourself. Let it go. It is time to embrace the new beginning, the one that you keep saying is coming, not next week, not tomorrow, today, now. Let the past rest in the grave you've been digging. It is time to put the shovel down. Allow yourself to rejoice in the fresh start you have written, the newest chapter of your life, the one full of love and acceptance, the one full of kisses and blessings, the one full of fuck me's and yeses. We have not forgotten your past, but it is time to turn the page. The Three of Swords is known as the Lord of Sorrow. This card represents heartbreak with another, but also a deep self-examination that can reveal truth. With one sword, we feel force. With the second, an opening. With the third, an opportunity for abiding wisdom. I am Shadow Angelina. Beautiful, in three parts. 
I am not encouraged by how far I've come from the scrape, drag, crawl. Sometimes, all that was brings on a low wail, an inescapable mourning, a what-if game that never ends with winning, just sobbing, for who I would have been without all that. Those lives don't have names, bury them in unmarked graves like unbaptized children better they'd never been. The weight of the anchor of a life I can never have pulls me under, faster than major depressive disorder, faster than insomnia, hallucination, self-loathing that eats away skin, wandering whispers, danger. I steer course clear of questions that lure me into abyss, the edge until felt can be difficult to resist, then a seductive and inescapable gutting, pieces of me severed, they float on currents as birds, down, up, and away into the smoke of burning dreams. Guess I'm supposed to be more thankful by now. If grand survival is my origin story, I must be able to survive anything you do to me. That expectation is immolation, and comparison is theft. Need from my mythology makes my continued survival the granted you take from me, so do whatever you want. The justification that what you've done isn't as bad as what I've already overcome, I will absorb it, transmute it, I am somehow required to be more beautiful after it. I make surviving look easy. Perform Phoenix as I hide the burnt bird. When I stop being your beautiful tragedy, I decline to fulfill the role you've given women like me, precious damaged thing who breaks through her scars to love you. You can no longer hinge your worth on my approval when I am not goddess, just pathetic, bleeding, needing. Your revulsion becomes your bearing. The penalty I'm to pay for letting you down. If your perceptions overwhelm what you can see, I cease to exist, so I guess my begging never really made a sound. Your wolves howl at my moon. But wolves are just puppies begging for their mamas. And me and the moon are tired of those boys, their mamas, and their complaints. Sometimes, I look back at the topography of my life and I am not bolstered by the volume of what hasn't yet killed me. I'm ready to stop being mausoleum. I resign the job of being the beautiful place you can admire, filled with sorrow and rot that you never felt anything for, only felt something about. Instead, I am being taught a new song. Its language, foreign, and notes discordant with what's been holding me together my whole life. He calls it Mercy. Of all the words I know, I had to look it up. Compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Mercy. I am throwing spears to pierce these darkened windows, flooding light, hoping it will reach me. Pan's Actual's choice for this evening is the King of Cups. He is the balance between the intellects of emotion and thought, the place where we create, where power is tempered with nurturing. A Regal Ravishing I wish to welcome you with open hands and a heart to hear the whispers of your wants. Come, let me pour you a drink. Sit with me. Uncross your arms and legs. The physical act of opening will allow your words to flow more freely. Give your lips the space to interpret the song of your skin that only the adept lover can hear. 
Tell me, slowly, of the touch you need, of the touch you've dreamt of, of the longing lingering of lash or tongue. I am not in a rush. Passion need not be rushed to be ferocious, for the feral beast is often graced with more courteous understanding of another's wild intentions, and though it wishes to devour you, it will wait until it knows the time is right. You are not prey, to be clear on an important distinction, unless that is your deepest desire, and then I will hunt you with the greatest of passion. If you are the hunter, then I shall slake your hunger for the chase. Once you run me down and pounce upon me, the little death will be most satisfying. You need not share it all at once, but let me hear each syllable fall from your lips. Every word is of the greatest importance, and I wouldn't wish to miss the slightest bit of passion that has wrapped itself around your tongue and carried you thus far into the ever-lessening space between us. Tell me of your wish to be tied to have your toes salivated over with kisses meant to tantalize you into greater feats of passion, my fingers torturing your tits with twists or a growing pressure around your throat as erotic asphyxiation is for you a hidden treasure, I am listening and feel the lust you feel. My own desires are ever-present, but I wish to see where we intersect and then implement the weaving of wants. This will begin about you becoming through twists and turns an exploration of us. Take your time. I am patient. I've sat upon a throne waiting for a queen to show me how I shall rule and be ruled in return. And I shall wait for you. I shall wait until you are ready. The Three of Cups is the card of belonging and emotional connection within a community. It is the cradle of abundance brought about through compassion, support, and the gift to be found in giving of yourself to a greater goal with those you love and trust. This is Jeff Munsterman. Good Faith What Marsh does better than anything else is rot and stare. Killing is its least impressive art, and yet it haunts the humid like an old lover's name. Quiet, the poem is dancing now. Marshes where he first discovered melody offer a chorus of chaos, Deep howls link like jasmine or chain as insects scorch their thighs together for songs that forecast disaster. So that's what childhood is. No hand except his own without a knife half-lit and snickering. No learning love for anything but escaping wet skin intact. He thinks, even by a pretty song, knowing can't save you. Gar-scale earrings clink whether you turn your head to look for knives or not, and the world consumes sweet-hearted boys as easy as the imperceptibly quick beaks of hummingbirds drain petals of their nectar. The poem yields a woman. She doesn't much believe either there's anything like escaping. Their love becomes a dance that spites nature. Unless it needs to talk her down, her knife stays holstered. They build a home in the marsh's heart. It fits them like dirty jeans. She would strip naked and bathe in brackish mosquitoes and moonlight holstered to her hip, and he swears he tastes lemongrass in the parabolas of her frame. The boy didn't hate her when she left. How could he ever? Knowing in that moment... There was no chance both of them escapes. Each sweetness to the other was a gift given in good faith. He misses her. And yet, what she leaves behind is silvery, bright and blue. Nature's predators come to chaos, honest. Nevertheless, he learns the trick early. 
avoid a taste for the chaos. Ecosystems thrive on extinction and evolving, and because his love of her never died, he managed to evolve. Everything is part of something else. He hears every whistle, squeal, and cry, and forges from them a talisman carried in the way we sway. Because good faith was what he tracked, in pulverized underbrush or spiders after a sudden disaster, weaving in haste. Because hot on good faith's trail, which he follows like a thread, he happens upon a hope chest in the clearing. Inside was more poem, a durable gift. Other kinds of voices wailing in the wilderness frighten him less. He responds, comfort. He knows belong, finally. Knows the same music that held him up now holds others together. Here among these voices, he knows there are no poems. There is only the one poem, a continuous conversation that rages like spice on crawfished lips. He licks his lips with hunger for the taste of lemongrass and pleasure-creased feet, liquor of lust like black cherry rum, for the complex brine of exuberant joy in an arched neck belting notes like Orion, quenched by a smile gentle as yard-harvested fig by the fence-high hibiscus of her neck, reddening as tongue, strengthened by the scholarship of poem, works itself into the delicate ravine of her brilliance, can't hardly wait to try and spoil those he loves with love, to gift the gifts of humans with music meant to make them buck and sway, given always in good faith. To those who view passion as anything but total freedom, bad actors all, he must sink pilings deep into the marsh, raise sacred up from the touch of their flood threatening to warp floorboards till no one cares to dance. Honest, yeah, but sure as shit not poem. He measures the place's realness with verb, polishes a divine within himself that makes loving come easy. From the deck, he pulls three of cups, and even though he knows there's still plenty warring left, battle for the sanctity of his body, for all our bodies, for souls and salvations not merely his own, he celebrates poem of Abundant acceptance, valiant living, of good lover moonlight lasting until dawn with a toast. May the poems speak loudly to each fiber of your bones, and wherever your words carry you, may they ache with light. The chariot encourages intense effort and dedication for a direction well worth seeking. Harvey shows us just how true that is and how rewarding it can ultimately be. So, from what I gather, in real adult sex, any energy spent on explaining listen to people when they tell you what they like is going to be lost on anyone who needs to hear that advice. In E.E. Waite's Pictorial Key to the Tarot, the first entry for the chariot, the chariot, is (coughs) sucker. As in the name we have for the Virgin Mary in New Orleans, Our Lady of Prompt Sucker. Ah, sucker. Of course, it's hard in this context to get the other spelling out of your mind. I mean sucker as in to give assistance in times of want. But while I'm on the topic, 
I struggle to imagine a more perfect thing than the fact that the Virgin Mary in New Orleans is called Our Lady of Prompt Sucker. This piece is called Prompt Sucker After the Virgin Mary. And regarding Prompt Sucker, I would like to say, my chariot awaits. And by my chariot, I mean the very specific configuration of no less than three, but often four plus pillows that we construct most times anyone eats my pussy. There were two additional AE weight explanations for the chariot that appealed to me, by the way, providence as in care or preparation in advance and also divine care and triumph, which I think is pretty self-explanatory in this context. And speaking of triumph, it took me 15 years of people touching my vulva before I figured out that my clits just like at a non-typical angle. And for a person to both breathe and lick at the same time, my hips need to be at least a bit elevated. Further, the height of my seat, if you will, might need to be adjusted depending on the other person, really. And they're actually going to need to negotiate that for themselves. So anyway, these slash this is either pillows one and two or just pillow one. Seriously, it was all trial and mostly error for the first seven years of this. And I didn't actually like people going down on me until I was 20 and a senior in college. It was fine, though. I have this fabulous condition where putting things in my mouth makes my pussy really wet, which pairs well, I find, with this other condition I have that might broadly be described as an oral fixation. Anyway, I was so thrilled with the initial innovation, it didn't even occur to me for like probably six years and didn't solidify until 10 years after the initial hip elevation technology that the ability to relax my pelvic floor absolutely facilitates me having an orgasm. And so really I want two additional pillows to go under my legs. And I have to say, chariot life is better. But also, like, especially the first time someone is eating my pussy, also, I enjoy being able to make eye contact, and with my hips up so high, I can't see beyond my own pussy. I know, truly exactly the kind of problem that would happen to me. <sighs> so this is where an additional pillow comes in. Also, I'm sorry, but when I try to make eye contact in this position without a pillow, I can't help but I mentally refer to the effect that I imagine it has on my neck as sexy job of the hut. I can't help it. I know it's still sexy, whatever. So at first I want to make eye contact, but then eventually I get so, you know, relaxed slash excited that I want to remove the neck pillow and further relax my neck, my eyes, and I probably need to explain that too. And yeah, so the thing is, I just really don't like to explain all that on a first date. Or even a third date. My rule, of course, is, uh, you know, never have sex on a first date unless you really, really want to. And I certainly don't really, really want to explain while fooling around with someone how and why we have to pull together some elaborate tarot card throne for my very, very needy and idiosyncratic pussy. <laughs> I know, I know you're, you're all wondering why I didn't name this piece, name this piece that, <laughs> or just like, you know, name all of my pieces just that same thing, but with a different number afterwards. Anyway, right. Okay, so also I haven't mentioned this until now. Also, this is a factor the skin, the actual skin of my pussy, and in fact, the skin of my whole body is very sensitive. <laughs> the skin of my vulva, I think my clit's pretty normal. Statistically, I mean, they're all beautiful and perfect, whatever. So anyway, it's usually just simply not a relaxing experience to have my pussy directly stimulated Unless we're specifically going for relaxing, which like, hell yes, let's do that. But also like, 
we're probably going to need to have a somewhat in-depth conversation before we do. <sighs> well, gee, if, if only there was some pre-written explanation I could give people, or perhaps a humorous online recorded explanation I could direct people to. The devil is a card symbolizing temptation, a life lived in fear and ruled by the capitalistic need for more. Not abundance, more for more's sake. Fisher Pete brings to us his interpretation of this dark draw. So, here's the thing about preaching. Everyone is on their feet for the revival, ready to be purified, at the edge of the stage. I mean, altar. I mean, sanctuary. But really, I do mean stage. A hush falls. It's the truth, the God's honest, gospel, candor, veracity, sincere verity, the highest, low down, accurate facts, come correct to the 411, that which is right. Am I selling it? Because, my lover, I think the actual nature is pretty plain. The preaching I've seen is straight up sales campaign. Question being, what are we buying? And from who? And for why? Oops, there I go again, asking questions. I could be consuming like it was my job. My job seems to be consuming. I bat about doubts without fielding, resolution or restitution. My resolve is an ongoing game to catch remainders, attempting to make costs an essential base for pleasantly pitched final solutions. I see one long chain. There are the things that are alive, the things that were alive, and the things we ate. Oh, holy heavy hell, all this weight. <sighs> I already attempted to escape the fringes of the American dream. I saw the slaves behind our favorite pastimes. I resolved to stop feeding the beast, at least directly. Decrease demand, meet my needs with second left hand. Salvo armies filled with goodwill, consignment thrift and a bit of grift as my only gift for the man. The amount of my furniture found curbside as a point of pride. It was never enough. I still own too much. I was still sick with privilege as I gorged on dumpster-scored stuff. I circled back to the chaos chorus I first heard sing true. The things that you own end up owning you. You. I need so badly to invert this dealt demonic card with you. I want to tell the grandest lie. Send a billboard flare into the sky, big top lit like Christmas on the 4th of fucking July. Bold all-American alphabetical caps lock standing 44 feet high. We have the answer. I want to gather a community to you and concoct that most obvious and ambitious falsehood 
to ever grace a stage. I mean, alter an answer. <laughs> an answer. Let's let's change. I mean, maybe that's what it really takes. An honest question instead of waiting for a reframed refrain. Love shouldn't be this expensive, and we all sense it. I had a dream where humanity cured death and decay. The cure was contagious, and there was a price to be paid. There were no more ends. My friends, I can't recall ever being so fucking afraid. As I played to hide, Lucifer idled by, casually seeking in a dark Chrysler Buick barge, American made and large. Scratch was a sketch on blank, light barely contained, white beyond Caucasian, void, space, like Take on me Pencil edged to smug Patience in profile All the time in the world To while No when or where For us to escape And then Waking up, still speciously capricious. Let's thank that devil for the exposure therapy and just walk away. You are Saturnine, razor's edge fine, and I feel dealt paradigms flip, scythed like open slit. Flayed, awake, alive, unchained. Babylon rang, but we could give a shit. Civilization can call us back. We're adrift. Shuffled off. Skipped town without one stitch. Naked and brave. Unafraid of the grave we plan to share. Fucking, fucking like the end of days. Till bone bare. Wearing mud and blood, caked until washed away by free rain. Nature sends us, skipping in search of suede shoes and dresses to match no longer fashioned manacles, just decor for divinely dirty dance. Only possessions posing no threat Simply simple, supple threads. Our fettered freedom, we sip, gratis sweat, never forget. Just because I don't need anything doesn't mean I don't want you. It's only after we release everything that we're able to hold each other. The tower is not always a frightening card. Sometimes rebuilding is the good and necessary medicine. Gwydion Emery's writes of the tumult, liberation, and fear caused by one of the most ominous cards for those afraid of change. Relationship Crucible Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. It starts with an explosion, a seemingly small one, distressing but survivable. But it hits a fault in the foundation, setting off a series of others, 
showcasing each flaw in the construction of this home we've painstakingly built of us. As they collapse, they weaken other flaws, which then do the same. And it, we, begin to crumble. It's heart-wrenching to watch something flawed yet exquisitely beautiful that you have built over the course of years come crashing down around you. Terrified, feeling it's all going to crush you at any moment, you dodge falling blocks laden with memory, fire and lightning reaching for you with jagged fingers of helpless fear and scorching tongues of frustrated rage, leaping sudden at you from everywhere, from the shadows, from your own shadow. It's you, isn't it? Everything breaking, no rhyme or reason, just chaos and fear and heartbreak. Why is this happening? How did this happen? I can't make it stop. Who am I? Who are you? Falling through floors you thought were solid as mountains, layers of emotion and thought, pieces of yourself never meant to see the light, never meant to be exposed, but now they are. There they are. No, that's wrong. Don't do that. Don't be that. You fall farther, faster, such a long way down. Thoughts of the bottom threatening to stop your heart even before you reach it. This is not the kind of falling we signed up for. We stand amidst what remains, reeling from the shock, wondering how things got to this point, uncomprehending that such a thing could happen at all. Never underestimate the power of the one you didn't see coming. Destruction is change. Change is destruction. There is no construction that can withstand their instruction. Such is their function. Old must be cleared away to make way for new. Ever it was, ever it shall be. But new can take many forms. It must be chosen, or it will choose itself. And new left to its own devices tends to be selfish. Battered and broken, exhausted and still full of fear, the task of rebuilding that lies before us seems impossible. It isn't. But the decision remains of whether we will set ourselves to it or simply walk away from the wreckage. What is important enough to keep? What is worthy and worth it? Does history carry weight and strength or will it be discarded for its inevitable cumulative flaws? The shattered remnants still glisten with all their original promise. Shining in the battered darkness as our ruptured hearts weep blood still shimmering with all the splendid magic of us. Falling to the riven ground. Is that hope glimmering there? Or just a fading dream? A wish, perhaps. Reminders of us coming at the most unexpected times, or coming from strange directions, our connection resurging, unlooked for, our bodies and spirits still drawn together in an inescapable magnetism, our desire for each other showing we can still go from zero to right fucking now, like that. Your strong thighs shake, not with weakness but with memory of sudden pleasure and the anticipation of more. I squirm, the movement creating small pleasures as I remember you with unquenchable desire, already thinking of the next time. Even with home in ruin and seeming lost, the light and substance of love remains, waiting to be shaped again into heart's shelter and comfort. Soul-deep connection unsevered, we fall into each other's eyes when we look past the surface. Drown. Willingly, in the encompassing embrace of us, barriers and separation disappearing as we come together. The edifices of anger crumble, sorrow melts away, spires of fear rendered translucent and unreal. Being raised to the foundation is unspeakably painful, but it can also show new possibility. Instead of seeing only trauma, Though trauma is certainly there, it can also be an opportunity. We can see the flaws in the foundation now. The weaknesses in the building we crafted, seen only too late, when too much was supported by them to be easily fixed, are now in a broken pile at our feet. We can start new, 
do better, create something deeper, stronger, more fitting home to our unassailable love. We are not gone, not done. I don't think we ever can be. It's just a matter of how long we take to learn the lessons we need to, make the sacrifices we have to, to stay together. Always together. Juliet Rose introduces us to the Hanged One, the symbol of breaking old patterns of behavior and of sacrifice. It highlights the difficulty of being stuck and the art of letting go. We don't like being told to wait. Or at least, I know I don't. Collective trauma, the experts are calling what we're living through right now, as if it's anything new, and not embedded in the DNA of my people whose language those same experts say is dead, of a different kind of pandemic. That also isn't anything new. For those of us who are used to trauma, maybe new normal is just an inverted perspective. And we're all coming out of limbo right now, flipping over and feeling the blood rush to the head, when maybe we shouldn't yet. The universe, she asked us, begged us, put us on pause, told us to shut up and finally fucking listen. We keep asking her how to heal and should have known she'd get tired of repeating herself. So we went to our rooms to think about what we've done. Do you remember hanging off the monkey bars as a child? Maybe there were other kids there too. Counting how many seconds you could hold on for, like when you all tried to hold your breath underwater. Eventually, if too much blood pools in your skull, pressure builds behind your eyes, and then everything you see gets fuzzy. Like when you're trying to remember a scene you saw in a movie once, but just a little too much time has passed to feel sure you're still getting it right in your mind. Your skin is the first to brush up against mine since before the quarantine. Over 90 days it's been since I've seen your eyes outside of a photograph, and I tell myself that it's because no one is supposed to go that long without another human being's touch, that coyotes are pack animals in fucking hell. Where'd my whole pack go? tell myself that plenty of people go whole years or more without being touched by anybody that I thought I could get used to it again. But that ain't any kind of 90-day program I signed up for. And sitting with you, just sitting, feels like I'm full of fireflies lighting up against the surface of my skin and bouncing off each other like the butterflies in my stomach. I'm always going to think I've outgrown weaving within every capillary in my skin, like all the magic I thought I understood before. My muse rises to the surface of me too, pushing through all those fireflies that can also pass for locusts in between their flashes, and she begs me to write something after I spent 90 days not having anything worth a shit to say. And I'm not trying to tell you that I have to hinge anything on you, because I don't. And it's not that I can't write when I'm by myself, but something happens when I'm with you. And the blood doesn't just rush to my head, it starts making music I have to put a song to so neither of us go crazy. I had to know a dozen different ways to miss you to realize that, I think. When you said the quarantine made you realize you were bored of living the same story again and again, it resonated with me in the frequency of its honesty. Who wouldn't get tired of reading their favorite story over and over, even if they liked the way they knew it ended? I want to write new stories with you, but I feel the same way about endings as you do about beginnings, and how can I fully comprehend what any of this means? when touching you feels like a sin. And where you only feel like family to the point where that word means anything to me anymore. And where we can only consistently show up for each other under the mantle of just friends. Yet we keep showing up. 
and I'd rather brush my skin against yours in the flash of a moment than be touched by anyone to whom the idea of fucking me is something they have to pencil in on their to-do list, even if I'm allowed to love them. And in that brush of skin, I think about before, and I can't stop thinking about next, and maybe, and what if, and Jesus Christ, what does it matter? The world is ending. But mostly I'm just enjoying right now, and fireflies, and blood rushing to my head. So maybe we should write something that starts in the middle, without knowing how it's going to end. Because the adventure will be in finding the words and putting them together in different orders until they start to make sense. Because I don't want a new normal where I've forgotten how to say I love you, or only have wanderlust from my memories, or where anyone says a language is dead, just because they can't hear it anymore. Shh. Please. Just hang here with me, and listen. The Fool is a generally misunderstood card. He sets off to try something new, has faith in the future and the universe, and will take a leap of faith. He is spontaneous, jovial, and brave. This is Lilith Red showing her great love for the Fool. A Heart Lies Laughing When we are small, we are called princess. Dressed in store-bought ball gowns, plastic tiaras balanced atop heads told stories beneath the canopy of our beds, stories of kings, heavy with gold and drunk with power and self-serving ambitions going to war for land, for beauty, for no other reason than they can. Stories of knights, playing saviors of a town plagued with fear and fire, honored for the red dripping from steel points and the heads of dark creatures heavy in their bags, these are the shadows of the men we are meant to keep in our beds. I fell in love with the fool instead. I fell in love with mirth and merriment, a cup of wine coupled with abandoned inhibitions, a penchant for silliness and sharpness that a court of old would crave, with the surface comedy that is his trade, but more with his eyes glittering at a hidden game. I fell for the dark jokes, mocking laughter and venomous smiles with the way he toys with his favorite targets, the wealthy and affluent elite, buying their status with cold cash stained with the blood of those that make their money, those that sit high above on the Lord's pedestal, clinging to their cherry-picked Bibles and collection plates, spreading their hate in God's name. These are the favored victims of his japes, because sometimes people need to be put in their place. I fell in love with bodiness and hunger, with a man who knew better than to treat me like I am either empty or fragile, innuendos about being lashed with the tongue, inviting me to sit on the hot seat of love while eyes trail over lips remnants of color not yet kissed away, a threat hissed that I dare not tease lest he have his wicked way, and his way is something to behold. Splayed upon sheets, crude comments while fingers dance down the spine, hard flesh shamelessly displayed, whispering queen from between slick thighs, kisses sharper than either serpent's tooth or knife, covering skin with small purple claims, as if to announce to all in the room that a fool can have a royal feast, too. I fell in love with the open, the honest, the unhidden nature and sensitivity with singing, with a thousand tiny jokes developed in the night, with stories of missteps throughout life and love and heartache and something about a gondola, with words that endear me, heat me, drive me when I am in the dark of my soul. He is there, grinning and offering up laughter and sweetness to heal those parts of me injured by men who only seek to lay women like me to waste. I fell in love with one, who turns his eyes to dawn as though every day is a new experience for his taking, creating his own unnatural path, leaping over hurdles and expectations with a mind that only knows how to move fast, seeing the art that could be made with ink, paint, knives, wire, a chunk of wood or a piece of glass, and working it to his bidding despite expertise that has yet to be attained. For him, that does not matter. Why would it when the journey will teach you its own lessons along the way? A king may give you power, a castle, 
material satisfactions that can be stolen away from encroaching forces or a disobeyed order. A knight may make your name the passion in his battle cry, a short-lived honor once a spear finds the right cracks in the armor. To quote my love on his station, Doubt not the fool. Though his number may be zero, that sum may be empty or infinite. A fool can be whatever they wish to be. Happy Anniversary, Fortunato. Have a craving for some music that helps get you in the mood? Discover provocateur curated playlists and more on our Spotify channel. Esoterotica Nola on Spotify. Whether this was one of your first introductions to tarot, or if you're quite experienced with reading the deck, we hope you've enjoyed our creative efforts in manifesting and bringing them to life. In two weeks, we will be back with our theme, Homecoming, where we once again revisit poems and stories from years past, featuring both our local provocateurs and those beloved far from home. From now till then, Make time to extend kindness to yourself and those you love in whatever way works best. Take care to move in this chaotic world with intention, aware of your impact. Stand up for what is just. Music tonight was brought by Ketza. If you're able, please drop a tip in the digital hat. The money will be split between the writers who are mostly out of work. Thank you for listening to Esoterotica, erotica from New Orleans. As always... A sign-off from our own, Ame San Savant. Other than that, I know we can't wait to see you so very soon, but in the meantime, stay safe, stay sexy, and get fucked! All of our online shows are produced by Jeff Munsterman and Shadow Angelina. Sound recording and mixing by Jeff Munsterman. All rights reserved by the provocateurs of Esoterotica.